0: in my life I have been tested any number of times. I was running through a list of the tests I have passed and failed in my life, Uh, and uh, some of them were in school but most of them were in life. I still remember vividly the night I was working on a paper with Linda Patterson in seminary we were doing of all things a paper together on the morality and ethics of third world debt and we were sitting across the table from each other working in uh, one of the education buildings I don't even remember the name of the building at Wesley Theological Seminary and as you know we had you know, we had developed a kind of connection, a sense of uh, personal relationship. I enjoyed her company, she enjoyed mine. And she said to me, I don't remember what the question was anymore. I've tried to formulate it exactly in my mind, but she said something like, James, where do you see this going? And I, I think like a deer in the headlight, I stammered out some kind of answer. In fact, I remember my exact answer, the first things that came out of my mouth. Linda, I value our relationship. <laughs> oh my goodness. I, I, you could have heard a pin drop. If you know Linda Patterson, my lovely wife, you know that was not a satisfactory answer. Uh, first of all, it really said nothing. Uh, of course, you value my relationship. If you had a dog, you'd probably value that relationship. You probably value a relationship with, your, with our ethics professor and with the DMV person who gave you your, uh, your license. You know, yes, you valued all those relationships, but what value do you place on a relationship? Where does that flow? And so I spent the next, I don't even know, It felt like an eternity stammering out the questions, uh, the answer to the question in ways that led me down into a deeper place where I realized I was in love with this woman. I just was unprepared to say that because I didn't envision that happening in my life. I was pretty sure I was destined to be single for the rest of my life. I was sure I wanted nothing to do with any other person, that I wasn't particularly good to be with any other person, and that by myself would be better. That way I didn't mess anyone else's life up. I had already come to that determination and finding someone who would put up with me was impossible. Well, needless to say, 29 years of marriage, almost 29, February the 4th will make 29 years of marriage, almost 29 years later we are happily married, and I love her more than I ever imagined was possible 29 years ago. Much more than I ever imagined possible, in a deeper and wider kind of way. I'm so thankful I passed that test. (laughs) Whatever passing meant, passing and failing. Today, I want us to take a look at a scripture lesson. It's a story of the testing of Jesus, and it's from the Gospel of Mark. And unlike the Gospel of Matthew and Luke, who really give you all the details in their mind of exactly what happened to test Jesus when he was in the wilderness, Mark, in his very sparse way, and that's the way Mark handles everything. In the Gospel of Mark, everything happens, I'll just tell you, Everything happens immediately. It doesn't happen over time. It happens immediately. And he's, he's, uh, he's lean of expression. His words uh, are important to him. So last week, we looked at the essentially two verses, uh, three verses of Jesus' baptism. Now this week, we look at the two verses of the wilderness. Verses Uh, chapter 1 of the Gospel of Mark, verses 12 and 13. And the Spirit immediately, there you go, I told you, immediately, and the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness forty days, he was tempted or tested by the adversary, and he was with wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. That is it. (laughs) I'll read it to you again because it's that short. And the spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days tempted or tested by the adversary and he was with the wild beast and the angels waited on him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So What are we to make of this wilderness story? Mark makes of it two verses. Essentially two sentences with a lot of ands. And this, and this, and this. And apparently in Greek that works just fine. Uh, Have to have a lot of semicolons in English. Jesus is baptized and then immediately the Spirit drives him not encourages him, not invites him, not leads him, but drives him into the wilderness, and he's there for 40 days, and he's tested. The word is tempted, we often call it temptation, but the word can be both tested and tempted, and there are arguments for either one. But I think that what's interesting to me as I look at where this particular two verses fall, immediately following baptism and immediately prior to Jesus' first proclamation, the kingdom of heaven is near you. The kingdom of God is near you. That sandwiched between his baptism, his sense of identity, and his first proclamation with clarity about what his ministry is about, there is two verses that tell us that Jesus was tested. He was in the wilderness. He was there for a long time, 40 days. And if you're familiar with the biblical story, and even if you're not, I'm going to give you some insights. A lot of times things happen for 40 years, 40 days. Uh, I don't think they ever happen for 40 minutes because they didn't measure that way. But 40 days are 40 years. 40 is a long time. Jesus was in the wilderness for a long time. The Israelites, in the history of of this biblical story, if we were to open to the Older Testament, the Hebrew Bible, we would discover that they went into the wilderness and they failed. (laughs) They were tested and they failed. The test wasn't good for them. Jesus is driven out into the wilderness, I think, to get clarity and refinement for what he was about. You have to remember, Jesus is 30 years old. He's, uh, he's lived a fairly human full life up to this point, uh, potentially apprenticing with his father, who we are told, we often think of him as a carpenter, but the word could also be just translated as day laborer, somebody who had basic skills, who showed up on the site and would do work on various projects. If he had grown up around Nazareth, that's pretty close to some other places, where uh, he might have gotten day-laboring kind of work. And in the midst of that, he tried to live into his Jewish faith and understand what that meant. And now a turning point has come in his life. Perhaps he's known all of his life, and he has, I suspect, that he is God's son. However... What does that mean, and what will his ministry take shape? You know what? We have always assumed, I assume sometimes when I pick up the Bible, Jesus knew exactly what he was going to do for one to three years of his life, exactly what he was going to say to whoever he met. He knew exactly what was all about. He didn't need any pointers. He didn't need to get clarity. Well, I think that that's that's a misconception. I don't think that's what Jesus was all at all, because he was fully human like you and me. After hearing in his baptism at the River Jordan by John the Baptizer, you are my son, my beloved, with you I'm well pleased, Jesus goes into the wilderness for 40 days. He goes into the wilderness for 40 days. He's tested. And part of what testing does is it refines us. It makes clear for us what is most important to us and what is not. Because in times of testing, things fall away and things rise to the surface. The things that matter stick with us, and the things that don't fall away. We begin to realize what matters. How many times have you seen the aftermath of some uh, uh, natural disaster in our country and the interviews with people who survived? Their house is destroyed, all of their stuff is destroyed, but they and their family survive, and all they say is, The stuff can be replaced. My family can't. I'm thankful to be alive. Now, tell somebody who has a house full plus two or three storage facilities filled with their stuff that the stuff isn't important, and you might fall on deaf ears. But have the storage facilities burned down and the house burned down and everybody survives, and they might see it through a different light. They might be thankful that they no longer have the encumbrances. Think about how complex our lives become by all the things we carry around with us. Jesus went into the wilderness himself. He was driven there. And during that time, he had to figure out what his message was going to be. If indeed, and I say if indeed, meaning if indeed He was and He was the Son of God, what was the most important thing people needed to hear? What is the content of my message? What do I have to say to people? I don't want to be all over the place, you know, overthrow Rome, love your neighbor. (laughs) You know, I don't want to do all of those things. I've got to figure out what this is about. And I'm convinced the wilderness time was a time for Jesus to figure out what it was all about. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I'm well pleased. What does the wilderness do? It says, well, what does that look like? What does that look like for you, Jesus? What do you have to say about being the beloved son of God that will bring hope to other people? Sure, knowing you're the beloved son of God has got to make you feel pretty good. (laughs) But what about everybody else? Just crowd close to me because I'm the beloved son of God. You can feel a little oozing off of me. Jesus goes into the wilderness because he needs to be clear about what his message and his purpose will be. He's lived 30 years, perhaps doing odd jobs. We don't know exactly what he did. Maybe he spent some time with John the baptizer before he was baptized by John. Everybody is guessing what he did during those years. We don't know. Maybe someday when you get to that next place and you're chatting with Jesus, say, "Dude, what were you doing for 30 years? Maybe by the time you get there, say, it won't really matter what you were doing for 30 years. Did it? What matters is the one to three years that you were actually in ministry that I heard about that changed me, that helped me find what my purpose, my place in all of this is. Because here's what I'm I'm thinking. There's no such thing as a generic son or daughter of God. Just isn't. Jesus wasn't one, and neither are you. There's no such thing as a generic son or daughter of God. There's only you. There's only me. And everybody else. And each one, each one, purposefully designed to be who they are at the deepest sense of self. Once you get below all of that, all of the dances you do and the posturing you do to look good to everybody else, you know, the, the things you do to keep up with the Joneses or whoever lives, the Smiths, whoever lives next door to you, you know, After you try to keep up with everybody else and after you try to fit into your imagined picture of what a biblical disciple looks like and after you try to fit into what it looks like to be an American, whether it's a Republican American or a Democratic American or an anarchist American or whatever American it is, you're so busy trying to be all those kinds of things. Somewhere underneath all of that stuff, there is the person you are meant to be. That beyond flags, beyond nationalities, beyond colors of skin, beyond all of that, there is a specialized, unique child of God waiting to bear witness to God in a unique way. You, if you can hear me, me, if I can hear me, born with a purpose and direction But you'd like to believe it just pops up. That's why we always want that burning bush or that opening cloud. I've already told you, you don't really. Because if God just handed you the papers that told you exactly what you were supposed to do, then you'd have to decide if you were really gonna do it or not. As long as you can be nebulous about it, you can avoid doing what God wants you to do all the time. You don't really want to know what God wants to do, but imagine if you did. Then for Jesus, 40 days in the wilderness is the time when he figures out what his important message is. Immediately after emerging, after those two verses, he proclaims the kingdom of God is at hand, that it's near to you. The kingdom of God is at hand, it's near to you. seems like to me, if you boil down what Jesus' message is, that kind of captures a bit of it. Now, if you were to ask me now, in order to become an ordained elder in the United Methodist Church, I had to pass a lot of tests. I had to serve a local church and they had to observe me. I had to preach a sermon, you know, and a group of other elders had to listen to it and decide whether it was any good or not. By the way, that was the worst sermon I've ever preached. And they recorded it and listened to it. And they passed me anyway. God knows. I had to pass all those tests, pages and pages. There was probably 60 to 80 pages of documentation about about what I believed. If I went in there today, my, my documentation would be like one sentence long. God is love, and my purpose is to be love in God's world. That's it. That's my whole purpose. You want me to flesh it out a little bit? Okay, I can. But the bottom line, that's everything. That's the whole thing. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's near you. It's still near you if you wake up and be the person God made you to be, if you live into the purpose that God has given you. But it requires discernment and clarity. So you've heard the word. Last week, I hope you heard the word, and I hope you took it to heart. And if you didn't, go back and listen to it. It is your identity. You are my beloved son or daughter. With you, you, I am well pleased. That's your identity. God already loves you. What are you going to do about it? What is your purpose, your song to sing, your note to sing in the symphony, your thread that runs through the tapestry? What is your place in making this world the world God expects it to be, hopes it to be, imagines it could be, if we would live with the clarity of purpose that his Son, Jesus the Christ, did? If we could live with that clarity of purpose. You say, but he was the son of God, but he was fully human, just like you and me. He was tested and tempted, just like you and me. And just like you and me, he had to get his stuff together. Forty days in the wilderness, having heard, you are my beloved son, with you I'm well pleased. Well, that's great. What am I going to do about it? 40 days of tempting, of testing, brought Jesus to a far side with greater clarity. You you can't do it all. You can try. Believe me, I try to do a little bit of everything. I think of myself as a Renaissance person. I'm, I'm a seven in the Enneagram, and they are Renaissance people. They do a little bit of everything. I can do a little tiny bit of computer programming. I can do a little tiny bit of computer building. I can do a little bit of bread baking. I can do a little bit of rice experting. You know, all of those little things. I know a little bit about the Bible. I know a little bit about everything. What is the one thing you're supposed to do, James? Be the love of God. How will I do it? How will I do it? How will I do it? Those other things are extraneous. It's nice that I can do those things. But so what? If I'm going to do the one thing God's calling me to do well, I need to figure out what it is. And at 58, I'd like to believe that I have some sense. But those of you who know me pretty well perhaps question that. Boy doesn't have any sense. We love him anyway. What is God calling you to be? What is God calling you? Who did God make you to be, and what is God calling you to do about it? Are you even clearer? Yes, James, I might start to believe that God loves me. Infinitely, unconditionally, that I'm precious. But so what? So what? That's the question for you. Listen, it doesn't matter how old or young you are. These periods of testing and trial and challenge are opportunities to discover what you're really made of, who you really are, and to live into that. And let me give you a hint. All of life is the wilderness. All of life is the wilderness. It's not just the last 11 months that we've been locked down. All of life is wilderness. I am tested every moment when somebody asks me a question and I can choose to tell them the truth or lie. That's a test. It's a test when I answer the telemarketer's question when they call on the phone. It's a test when Joshua engages me in a deep conversation, or Hannah, those are my children, in case you didn't know. When they engage me in a conversation, it's a test. They want to hear what I have to say. And quite frankly, I want to hear what they have to say. Everything in life is the wilderness, not just the bad times, not just the good times but it includes the good times. The mediocre everyday times are part of the wilderness because if you listen closely and are open to God's teaching, you can learn in every moment of your life who you are and who you're not and how to be and fulfill that which you're called to do. Yes, it's unmanageable. And quite frankly, we prefer manageable, uh, we we prefer the manageable in life. We'd like God to just give us like 600 rules that we have to follow. And I'll do it. No, you won't. You you think you will. (laughs) But you'd like 600 rules, manageable 600, rather than the unmanageable two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. What does that mean and look like? Figure it out. If you're looking to me to give you the final answer, I don't have it. However, I can ask you, is that your final answer? Is that your final answer? I am the living love of God made flesh right here. But so are you. What will that love look like? I'm not all of God. I wasn't implying that I'm God, but God lives in me and loves me into being right here. And you too. So be who God's calling you to be.